This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries in Bentonville, Arkansas. And I'm back here uh, with our founder, Rocky Fleming. Welcome, Rocky, again. Good morning. And we have a, a topic today that we want to dive into. Um, and we, again, we try to figure out what, how can we be helpful? How can we be helpful all to our influencers out there? But also maybe other people are finding us because a friend passes this on to them. So I think mm-hmm. we hope to be a gift or a blessing to the body of Christ, you know, and as well. So whoever, the, who, anybody. But uh, you were saying the other day that you think people might want to hear practical things, you know, especially in the times we're living in. They might want to know in, or have some encouragement for how how now should we live in, mm-hmm. in today. And, and it does seem like today the things are getting darker and, and a lot of things are happening. And um, we're all facing things that are qu- challenging our, our biblical worldview and, as Christians and all that. So, so our our topic today is navigating today's culture as a Christian, and so we want to talk about that today, right, Rocky? Anything yes. you want to say before we read our scripture to kick, dive in? Or well, as a ministry, we're committed to making disciples, mm-hmm. and you know our 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 method of discipleship is to get people into close proximity with Christ because we feel that that is where a disciple. Is formed, mm-hmm. but a disciple is able to have a open communication with the Lord, and that communication uh, basically helps us navigate through life. Mm-hmm. Uh, his precepts guide us. Uh, his promises guide us if we know them, mm-hmm. and I think that's a key right there. If we know, if we are not ignorant of them, mm-hmm. and I, I, I fear that there are. Many Christians that are ignorant of his precepts and guidance that they could be having, and therefore they're kind of like a, a, a ship without a rudder mm-hmm. uh, that kind of flounders right and left and right and left. And mm-hmm. that's a very vulnerable place to be. And uh, we do have a navigator with a capital N, mm-hmm. another way to describe the Holy Spirit, uh, if we listen to it. Mm-hmm. And the question is, how do we listen to it? Mm-hmm. And what do we look like uh, out here in this culture that is very, very contrary to the guidance that he would give us? And I th- question is, how do I know it's contrary? Well, well, that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, you uh, you selected just one. There's many scriptures you could choose, but you picked First uh, John three uh, twenty one and twenty two. Which says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And so um, you were talking about how basically how can we have confidence before God mm-hmm. and, and figure out if we're in the right lane, you That's know, right. we're going the right direction. Because there are a lot of voices out there trying to minimize you know, morality, trying to say, well, you know, the Bible's ancient, that doesn't really apply, or, you know, come on, let's be in the name of love, let's just be accept everybody and nothing matters. And there's a lot of stuff swirling around out there. And as Christians, what do we do? 
Well, that is the uh, the big challenge for Christians now. But you know, it, there's so many perverted messages. Mm-hmm. As an example, in the name of love, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, in the name of love, we need to understand that, that God is love, mm-hmm. and God wants to love us. He He gave His only begotten Son because He loves mankind. Mm-hmm. He's given us a, a, an escape route from the inevitable consequences of being separated from him and through Jesus Christ and the love of God who gave him to us we have a a, a redemption we have a lifeboat that will save us from this end that we will all be facing Mm -hmm. and so it's it is love it's his love but it's also his love in us and through us Jesus said it Greater love, greater love has no man, but unless he, that those who lay down their life for their brothers. Right. And he also gave them a command. I want you to love one another. Mm-hmm. Love them as I've loved you. Mm-hmm. We see in the scriptures where husbands love your wife mm-hmm. as Christ loved the church. So love is permeates Christianity. So in the name of love, let's understand what real love is and where real love leads us, not this Coca-Cola love mm-hmm. that used to have a commercial that says what the love needs now is love, sweet love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And, uh, and so, yeah, the world does need love and we need to love each other, but the, the world's not going to love. The yeah. world's full of the evil and bitterness and hatred. Mm-hmm. But in the body of Christ, if we're going to be Christians, if we're going to be the church, then it's going to be personified by love. Mm-hmm. And that love is going to look like this. We're going to receive the first love, which is God's first love for us, Mm -hmm. to give us Jesus. That's where first love is. Our second love is our response to him in our love of him. And then as we follow his precepts and guidelines, and that's what it says, if you keep my commandments, right? Yeah. Your heart won't condemn you. Right. Well, his commandment is what? Love one another. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it is and love the world, mm-hmm. including your enemy. Right. So as you see, if we just understand the depth of his precepts and his guidance, then it opens our heart to more things that will that will feed into social action, that will feed into feeding people, mm-hmm. helping people, nurturing people. It will feed into the racial reconciliations that we're needing. Mm-hmm. It will feed into really doing a great work for mankind mm-hmm. because of that. But unfortunately, Brian, we don't have that kind of message that's being sent out there in this culture. It's adversarial. It's uh, angry. It's uh, it's politically driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a lot of those things, if not most of them, are contrary to the scriptures mm-hmm. and to what we see in there. So, question is, if you have if you have Christians out there that don't have a rudder, then they're going to be tossed to and fro. And I think it speaks of that in James. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in then in this environment, you're going to have Christians that don't really know what to believe. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they will embrace things into their life which will be contrary to God's guidance because they're ignorant. Mm -hmm. They don't know. They just don't know. But that doesn't change 
the fact that they'll have great consequences because of it. And we see consequences in the church with divorce that's equal with non-church people. Mm -hmm. We should never see rampant divorce in the body of Christ. Yeah, yeah. We should not because Christ can build a marriage. He can teach us how to love our spouses. He can teach us how to love our children. He can teach us how to nurture a healthy home environment. But when you see rampant divorce within Christians, within the church, equal to non-Christians out there that tells you that, that Christians are embracing the same normals, normal values that non-Christians have. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a, a the devil's been successful in stealing away the sanctity of marriage. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, I don't know how many people I know, friends of mine and all that, who are love the Lord and, and abiding with him, but then their kids are living with their, you know, girlfriend or boyfriend and all that kind of stuff. And and that's hard, you know. I mean, of course, kids get to make their own decisions, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's just because the culture's saying it's no big deal. Come on. It's well, not a big deal. Yeah, the culture will say that because... Mm -hmm. Culture is is contrary to to the body of Christ to, to God's precepts. I mean, we 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 are light. The body of Christ and, and, and Christianity, what Christ is not, is light to a darkened world. That's right. But if if we had embraced the darkness into the light, then it creates a lot of gray. Mm -hmm. And when you have a lot of gray, you have what you see with this generation of people that say, yeah, I know my parents taught me this, and I know my church taught me this, but, you know, my professor at, at, at the university is teaching me this, and, and by the way, what he's saying makes me feel so much better about myself because it tells me I can do the stuff I want to do, and I don't have to feel bad about it. Right. It doesn't condemn me. That's right. My heart does not condemn me. Mm -hmm. You get the connection with the passage? Yeah. If your heart does not condemn you. Mm -hmm. But how do you know? Because you have to know what scriptures say about it, and not only that, to follow. Yeah, and I've said this multiple times that I, I was just talking to a guy this morning, and I was just talking about when when a man or woman goes through the journey, and they really start digging into God's word, which is what we're all about, you know, helping them become self feeders and all that. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit shines a light into their heart and starts showing things in their heart that's contrary to to God's word, you know. And, and a lot of people don't want to see that, and and some people will drop out of a group. Some people will press into it and go through the pain of you know, discipline, pruning, whatever he's got to do to kind of help expose that. Those are the people that have great transformation and find freedom and find a new life living in God's word, you know, which is counterculture. It's going to be counterculture. It is, Brian. And, and, and there's so many things around us that give you good metaphors of what's going on, even the drug problem right now. You have a lot of people, especially youth, that are looking at drugs that make them high, make them feel better, whatever it is. And so the cartels have taken these seemingly prescription drugs that they think is pure and going to be okay, and they blend it with fentanyl. And so we're seeing deaths all across the country with this poison that's been placed into these attractive drugs that these ignorant, in some ways innocent, kids are taking. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't take it if they knew that it would kill them. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't do that, obviously. But the fact is, is that that's kind of the way society is. 
Mm-hmm. They're embracing things into their life that they don't know this will kill them. They don't, they don't know that this will hurt them. They don't know what's hidden beneath the surface of what looks attractive. Uh, they don't realize that there are reason why God has given us his precepts and they are to guide us and to guard us and protect us. Mm. And, and a lot of, and most of the time it goes against our, what we want. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a man and I lust, I, I want to fulfill that lust. Right. But what tells me not to God's guidelines, his precepts. Yeah. The things he tells me is, is sin. Mm-hmm. And, and somebody tells, well, it's not really sin because, you know, you're a man and that's just the way men are. And God created you to be a man, right? That's what you celebrate your manhood. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the voice of the culture. Right. It says just do whatever you want to do. If it feels good, do it. Mm. But it also is a deceptive lure. As a fisherman, I, I fish with lures. And, and what we do is that we have lures that look a lot like what the fish eats. Mm-hmm. They're artificial. And what those fish don't realize is they look good, but they got a hook in them. Right. So they're going after what they think is their food. And by the way, wow, it looks good. And guess what happens? I hook them. <laughs> and it's the same way with the enemy. Yeah. He has lures that look good. Mm-hmm. They look very similar to what, hey, I'm made for. I'm created for this thing, right? Mm-hmm. But it has a hook in it. Yeah. And he pulls us into it. Yeah. And then, yeah, once you get hooked, it's <laughs> it's tough to come back from that, right? I mean, it's we've seen people just destroy their lives because of that, yeah. So the question is, well, how do I navigate <clears throat> right. a culture that is so very much like that? Yeah. And uh, I think that that is the big question today, and it certainly deserves an answer. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, you've influenced me through the journey and through the things that have been developed through the Holy Spirit, you know, and I, and I, I like, I was telling this gentleman I was talking to this morning, I love Gabe's principles of influence. Yeah. You know, it starts by being a God seeker. It starts by getting in God's word because, because yeah, if you don't have God's word, if it's just up to us to make up the rules and what's good and what's justice and what's right and wrong, I mean, we would, we're just sinful creatures. We're, it, we would cater it to our liking, yeah, right? We'd yeah. build gods to, you know, suit us, whatever. Yeah. So we got to go to God's word, which you've been talking about. Um, and then we abide with him throughout the day. We, we follow his spirit. We look to see where he needs us that particular day. I mean, that, that's the life that he wants us to live. And then, and then it starts it with our marriages, which you alluded to the marriage problem. I love the way that we put forth this idea that you know, the first place you live out your faith is at home, you know, with your, your wife and kids and all that. Too many Christians are not doing that. They're giving the leftovers to their kids, you know. So if everybody attended to their own tent first, mm-hmm. that would help the problems we see, I think. Um, and then living it out, being influencers, you know, in your world. To me, I mean, that's kind of, it sounds like a formula or something, but I mean, this is really a lifestyle. I think of a believer. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a roadmap what it is. Uh-huh. A roadmap to, that God has given us. I was uh, I've been reading uh, Brother Lawrence's little book uh, about practicing the presence of Almighty God, and he was a monk back in the seventeenth century. Mm. And uh, and he was really sold out. I mean, he just really had a great prayer life, and it was constant. I mean, he and, and in this little book, he just basically sharing his philosophy 
slash theology mm-hmm. of you know practicing the presence, an awareness in whatever he did, whether he's washing dishes or whatever. He was a monk, and I want to keep that in mind. He was a monk, and he lived in a monastery. And then I read uh, uh, Paul, and Paul was talking about the wonderful passage where he talks about, uh, you know, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Mm. And so when you when you read that, you know that, well, first of all, both those men were celibates. Both those men were not married. Mm. One of them lived in a monastery, and one of them had five years of his 30-year ministry in jail. Mm and probably the most productive time that he, fruitful effort of, effort of his ministry was his letters that he wrote in jail, because that's what we read today. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I was thinking about that, okay, I was saying, okay, now these, these guys were really sold out the Lord, and they were navigating uh, very closely with him through some their life. And does that mean you have to be in a monastery to do it? Mm-hmm. Or does that mean you have to be celibate to do it? Does that mean you 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 can't be married to do it? And I got to process in that, and the answer is no, no, because God created marriage. He created us to need and want each other as husband and wife, and have children and build Christian homes. Mm-hmm. That's His plan. But there are certain people that has this gift that they don't have. They have a gift of celibacy, and they have the have a, a persuasion that they want to be completely isolated away from the rest of the world. And I got to thinking about that. How would Paul do in this culture? Hmm. How would this man deal with all of the distractions and all of the things that are going on around us as Christians that we're having to navigate? How would he navigate it? Hmm. You know what I came away with? He would take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be flying all over the world and I think he'd be preaching the same message. I think he'd be planting churches. I think he'd be encouraging churches mm-hmm. and he'd be fanning the flame of discipleship. Don't you? Mm-hmm. For sure. I think he would. And, uh, you know, I don't think that we we have to be, uh, you know, we don't have to be uh, unmarried. We don't have to live in a monastery to live as centrally focused as these men did. On Christ. Uh, but I will tell you this. I think even though he would be that way in this time, I think he would be challenged now more so than he ever was back in the first century. Mm. There's just more stuff here to distract us and to take, take us away. I mean, there's, a, there's, there's such a, a current of of change that's going on, especially in this country, mm-hmm. that is it's just really drawing young people into it. That pulls them away from their moorings, mm-hmm. and we've got to we've got to go back to what is what what do we fasten our eyes on when we try to navigate these troubled seas? Mm-hmm. We've got we've got to have a a, a, a focus that can and it can tell us that this is right and that is wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's more than ever it's important that we are into the Word of God, understanding the heart of it and the precepts in it. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a scripture in the Old Testament that says that my people 
are dying because of lack of knowledge. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, and I think uh, that's how we draw our own moral compasses and, and how to navigate ourselves. But go, kind of bringing it back to what we talked about in the very beginning was, um, I think he would have us uh, love other people. I mean, I think I think he, if we come and crash people over the crack people over the head with our morality, that's not going to win anybody. I don't think because they may not be ready to receive it. You know, I think you know coming across people that are confused and lost and all that, we have to show them something that, that is attractive. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the thing that's going to draw them in the, the biggest thing is love. I think you know because my daughter was just asking me last night about she has some friends who. Um, are homosexuals, but they go to church, you know, and they believe there's no conflict there in being a Christian. And, you know, and, and I said, well, you know, that's not for you to judge. It's for, you know, that's for them to work through and all that. But there's a lot of people sitting in church with a lot of other sins too, you know, that, and so what our job is not to just go and judge, but to come alongside people and love them and try to help people show them what scripture says, if, if given the opportunity, you know, what do you think about that? Well, I, I think that you'd have to ask what God thinks about homosexuality. Right, right. And when I'm asked, I say, well, go to the scriptures and mm-hmm. you come back to me, we'll discuss it after you read it. Yeah. And uh, so if you're talking about sin, then, then we have to identify what he says is sin. Right, right. But if you're talking about uh, redemption, well, then let's talk about what Jesus says about it. Mm-hmm. He says, come to me. Yeah, that's right. And our mission is to get them to him. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to set up rules and regulations say you can't come because you got to fix yourself first before he'll come to him. No, no. We say come to him and he'll fix you. And they say, well, wait a minute now. Are you telling me that I need to be fixed? Well, no. Why don't you go to the scriptures and I'll show you where to look. Yeah, that's right. And you determine for yourself because, you know, this is really between you and God, isn't it? Yeah. I can't tell you. I mean, do you want me to really tell you? how to be moral and based on what I do? Or do you want to be shown what to do in morality based on what God thinks? Right. Let's go to him. Let's, let's just get eyes on him and listen to him. And see, this is the biggest problem we have right now. We've got too many people that are saying, you, you got to do it the way I do it or you're wrong. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you, if, you don't do, if you don't see it my way, then you're, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And and everybody's calling each other names. Mm-hmm. Everybody's saying everybody's wrong. Well, what are they basing that on? Are they basing it on just what I want to believe? Mm-hmm. Because a few years ago, there was a movement to, to basically say that there is no absolute truth. Right. That's where it began. Mm-hmm. There's no absolute truth. Truth is what you want to make it, right? Relative morality. There you go. Yeah. So what do you see in this? You, you have people saying, well, I believe this, therefore it is truth. But is it? Right. Is it truth because you believe it? Because you've created a theory? Or you follow a theory? Uh, you've got to have a... a, a you, I believe that there has to be a, a moral compass, not by what mankind tells us, but by he who tells us what is right and wrong. That's right. That's right. And so our mission as a ministry, if we're going to help people navigate through this culture of things that we're talking about like that, and many, many more, by the way. Yeah. There's so many more things other than homosexuality that has to deal with 
the things that, that, that we would call sin, as scriptures point out, but there's so many other things with heterosexual sin. Yeah. And sins of the mind, sins of the heart, sins of the spirit, sins of condemnation, sins of judgment, sins of bitterness, sins of unforgiveness. I mean, there's so many things, and who can I point my finger at that they're wrong when I don't look myself in the mirror and understand that I got some bad stuff in my life that God has forgiven me, passed his grace over? Do I want to stand in the way of the grace he'll give to somebody who has a different sin from me? Mm -hmm. And the answer is, I cannot know Jesus and his love and do that. Yeah. Well, you know, this... I think you said this earlier, maybe you just said it to me, but our main bullseye as a ministry is really to the body of Christ to believers who would say they're Christians, you know, yeah. and you wrote that allegory of that journey in the inner chamber yeah. where people leave the refugee camp and they go across the bridge, Jesus, right. into salvation. But most leaders I've talked to said when they encounter people who say they're Christians, they've been across that bridge, most of them are huddled around the table of sweets. Mm -hmm. Barely, they, they really aren't in God's word for themselves. They're just trusting what they get, the little nuggets of sweet that they get from, right. from pastors or devotionals or whatever. Um, but they're not at the banquet table feasting for themselves. You know, and, and that's our, you know, when you go through a journey group, we're prodding you to get to the banquet table and start getting and feasting on God's word. And that is what makes all the difference. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I think that's the, the biggest point that you're making today is if you're not in God's word and if you're not seeking it for yourself, then you will be lost in this confusing culture yeah. that we live in right now. Don't you think? Oh, yeah. And you're, you're describing consumerism, uh -huh. consumer Christianity. That is, you know, going shopping and what I want to hear and leave the rest off. Just mm -hmm. pick out what I want. Yeah. Feel good messages. Or whatever. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the table sweets is always good because it's just a little sweet message that doesn't give you any kind of conscience <laughs> i mean it doesn't it it does it is non-condemning because it doesn't speak about things that are truth yeah. and that's not the role of the church the the role of the church is to edify and to raise up and to teach people um, what it means to walk with jesus to know him mm -hmm. as he is known to know he is holy and in the same way be holy but not in a puritanical way. We, I mean, we're never going to achieve that. But to be holy and being His, mm. to be His, that's what makes us holy. Be fully His. Yeah. To be separated from the ways of the world and to be pursuing Him mm. and letting Him fully pursue us and take us where He wants to make take us as, as His children. Mm -hmm. You know, Brian, I, I would tell you this. I am, I don't have a any kind of exclusion of the lost. Um, I, it might be because I don't have a gift of evangelist. Mm -hmm. I don't have any. I don't have a problem at all with you know people that are are, are evangelists and that they're leading people to make a decision to trust Christ. I mean, Billy Graham was an amazing example of that. But the heart God has given me is to the church. But that also includes those that have not yet come into the church that mm -hmm. are out there and that they are coming because mm -hmm. they're God's chosen people. And, uh, and, but I do believe that he's put on my heart a need to help the, the church be the strong bride of Christ that it should be. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that happens when we come to know him as a, the lover of our souls. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we're trying to do is help a Christian understand what it means to really uh, embrace the wonderful things about being a Christian and the transformation that can come in their life if they will allow his lordship into their life. Mm. And so we're centrally focused on that in trying to nurture the Christian uh, to be the man or woman that God has created that person to be. That's our mission. But what we've seen is that when they become one with him in that abiding relationship, then there's a dynamic that happens. And that is a dynamic that happens with him in them and through them to their world. Mm. That's right. And, uh, and so that's what you know excites us is that we're seeing his work in people's lives. We uh, just, I know we're about to wrap up, but uh, we had a group of leaders here in Northwest Arkansas get away for a prayer, a half day, half day of prayer and praying about what God wants for this area and, and beyond with influencers. And I, several of them, God was speaking the word revival. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're talking about is, is when, when a man or woman starts really giving their full life to him and getting in the word, he revives their hearts yeah. and, and starts changing the behavior. And, and the great revivals in history were all marked by behavior modification. And it changed the culture. I mean, in Wales, uh, they had to shut down all the bars because the, the, these, these Welshmen who used to just frequent the pubs. That's they a big quit, deal. They quit going. <laughs> and I also heard they had to retrain the horses because the horses were used to them cussing real with harsh <laughs> curse words and screaming at yeah, them. And they were gentle men and, and didn't really want them. And they had to retrain the horses. Yeah. I mean, I've heard these are real stories, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I thought about the word revival a few years ago. And, and, and being 77 years old and from Mississippi, you you had uh, revivals all the time. Right, you, right. You had tent revivals and huh. you had, you know, the churches would have their revivals and they'd have the, you know, the evangelists come in and speak. And, mm-hmm. and Jonathan Beasley uh, had a father, uh, Manly Beasley, was a revivalist. And I said, well, what's the difference between evangelist and a revivalist? He said, big difference. I said, well, what is that? He said, well, evangelist comes to preach the gospel and to lead the lost to come to know Christ. That's mm-hmm. an evangelist. A revivalist comes into a church to create reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And that is the farmer over on the right-hand side of the aisle and the one on the left across the aisle embrace each other. Wow. Now, that's what I'm into. Mm. See, I want to see reconciliation in the body of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. That's the revival I want to see. Mm. You know, again, I'm not an evangelist, and that doesn't mean that I'm excluding those lost and dying out there. But you know what? Now is the time. Now is the time that the church reconciles and comes together. Don't cross denominational lines, cross political lines, cross racial lines. Let those walls fall and let us come together under our king at his throne with our love for him and our love for each other. And we do that. If we have reconciliation like that in the body of Christ, then there will be great fruit in this country and it will happen. That's right. And if we can somehow be a catalyst for that, I don't know how that'll be. 
me. I don't know, but boy, that's a that's a that's a worthy project to be a part of. That's right. Amen. All right. Well, good conversation, Rocky. Our time is up. Um, thank you. And uh, well, all of you listening out there, I want you to join us in praying for how God might use influencers and, and use you. You're part of influencers. If you're listening to this, uh, how he might use us to, to help uh, be a catalyst for, for change and for revival and for reconciliation and all that. So if you're listening to this podcast and you don't even know who influencers is, we encourage you to check us out on our website, influencers.org or um I'll tell you, there's this thing called the journey that you need to find out about. And it's a, it's a nine, 10 month uh, process where you'll have an opportunity to, to let God change your life. Uh, so uh, check that out. We'd love to help you with that. And uh, it's growing and spreading all over the country and even into some other countries. So please be praying with us about that as well. So anyway, this has been the Influencers Network podcast. I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries. And I'm going to keep encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you today. Amen.